Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Best Life Cafe. I'm Kathy Anello here with my co-host, Carrie Butler. And today we are featuring G.S. Youngblood. He's the author of the book, The Masculine in Relationship, A Blueprint for Inspiring Trust, Lust, and Devotion of a Strong Woman. And we're currently actually waiting for G.S. to log in, but you can find his book available on Amazon. You can find him at Facebook at G.S. Youngblood One or Instagram at G.S. Youngblood Mer, M-I-R at the end. And so I'm super excited to get into this conversation when we can. Um, Talking about men, what a great subject, right, Care? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) I just don't Um, know where I guess. That's okay. Whatever. Um, What else is happening? Like, we haven't talked in a while. So let's, like, uh, what's, like, what's been going on? Well, today... It's the first day after a 30-day cleanse, no sugar, no alcohol, no uh, dairy, no bread, no gluten. It's been amazing. And how, because I know you were freaking out about it, right? Like, I know you were kind of nervous about doing it. So how, like, did you just finally, like, just surrender to it? Like, what did you do to, like, really, you know, how did that work out? You know, it was really just what happened for me, which was so lovely, was that uh, the habits that I had, I became very aware of the habits that I had, how I was uh-huh. eating, how I was, you know, when I was waiting, uh, and just how that really made me conscious of my now choices coming out of the 30-day cleanse. And so uh, this morning, you know, I made my smoothie, and he has a message. Hang on a second. Something's happening. Oh. Hold, please. He's trying to call. Here we go. Hang on a second. Anyways, it was wonderful. Oh, good. Always waiting on a man we are. No, it's perfect. Women are always waiting on men. I'm just kidding when I say that. Welcome, G.S. Youngblood, to the Best Life Cafe. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Hey, G.S. So I turned this is Carrie. Good morning, Carrie. I hope you can hear me. So okay. I turned up. Oh, I already. Yeah, we hear you great. I already did the sort of the feel and introduced you and uh, what your book is about. And, you know, for Carrie and I, we hardly ever have male guests. We talk about a lot of women's subjects. But I was really excited about the opportunity to sort of get a male perspective in my world. Um, I was raised with boys, and I have a lot of, you know, guy friends. But uh, for for me, my female friends are so important. And so to get them, I don't get a lot of male perspective on relationships. And so I really loved the Mm -hmm. title of your book. A blueprint for, you know, the masculine in relationship, a blueprint for inspiring trust, lust, and devotion of a strong woman. And what was really interesting for me was just the title kind of triggered me, and I was just like, well, what is trust to you? What is devotion to a man? Is it possible Mm -hmm. in today's society or world to stay connected to one woman slash or man for life? When we have, and because the lust part comes into your title, it's lust and porn are such a big part of our society, and social media makes the, that lust piece so easy. Like, how do we stay into trust and devotion 
and, and keep the lust alive in our own personal relationships with all the outsides? <laughs> well, the answer is yeah. 300, 300 pages of the book to answer. So how much time do we have here? <laughs> it, um, we probably have two shows in us for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so is is that the question on the table? Shall I tackle that big one? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the question on the table. Yeah, you know, I I'll try to simplify. Um, yeah. One of the things, one of the things that I have learned both in life and then just in my relationships with other people and other people's life stories is that um, when a woman doesn't trust a man, when a woman doesn't feel safe with a man, her body will close, her heart will close. Uh, she's likely to become more irritable, more critical, less interested in sex. And, you know, all the things that a lot of a lot of men are complaining about in relationship and what they don't realize is that it's not that she's, you know, become frigid or just grumpy. It's probably that she's reacting to his way of being. And I can't emphasize how important trust and safety are into having a relationship that feels free and open and fun. And so I, I think to understand this, we'd have to dig in. What do we mean by trust and safety? Is, is trust like, is it honesty? And it, that's actually not what we're really talking about. You know, in this context, from, from my viewpoint, you know, trust is that she trusts our lead, you know, the choices that we would make um, and would follow that lead. She trusts that he'll make space for her emotions, uh, whatever they may be, because, you know, Feminine energy can sometimes and be way more chaotic emotionally than, than masculine energy. And so a man yeah. that can make space for that is going to create trust in this woman. So that's the trust part. And I think, I think safety is just an adjunct to that where, you know, a woman mm-hmm. feels like she's, she's with a man who can hold space for her emotions. For instance, she's going to feel safer with him. You know, when, she, when her emotions are, are validated, when her viewpoints are validated, even if he disagrees, she can still, he can still validate her. You know, that's, gonna, that's one thing that creates emotional trust and emotional safety within a woman. And those are the types of things that allow her to relax uh, into the relationship and, and probably be more like the woman that he remembers when they first started dating. Sure. So let's pause there for a second to see, to see if that lands for you guys. Well, I have a, I have a question, GS, and that is, for the like, do you? How do I even say this? Because like, for the man to get to the place that you and just I'm thinking out loud here, for the man to get to the place that that you just described, right? Like that you, mm-hmm. that they have your back and they trust and all that stuff. Like the man, it seems like has like, or I'm going to ask the question. Like, do you think that the man has to do a lot of like work? to get to that place to be able to embrace that situation with a woman? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you like said, like sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Because like you had mentioned something about like, um, like one of the things is, you know, women or men call women crazy. Right. And we're mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah. sometimes we're just emotional or whatever. So how, how do we even get to that jumping off point is, is what yeah. I'm wondering. It's like, well, how, you know, like how do men know what to ask? And like, how do they even <laughs> recognize that like we're not really crazy. It's just like, you know, a hormonal right. surge or whatever. 
Right. Yeah. So to answer the initial question, and then I'll, I'll answer the rest of it. So, yes, I, I believe it takes a lot of work. This is men's work. And this is, there's mm-hmm. a body of work that I think men can and should do um, to really develop that solid core, that masculine core that allows them to do these things. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. Um, one of the first, and this is, I'm right now, I'm just quoting from the three-part blueprint that's in the book. So it's really the, the template for the work that a man would do. Um, first of all, he's got to develop a certain uh, quality of groundedness within him. This is the respond versus react in the blueprint. And by groundedness, there's a certain stillness to him. He's not reactive, but he's rather operating in the world out of choice. Um, and, you know, the, the opposite of that is, is his reactive behavior. If he withdraws during a fight with his, with his woman, if he gets defensive, that's usually the one I hear women complain about the most is when a man gets defensive. Um, when she is uh, expressing her displeasure at something, you know, those are all the ways that a man is not grounded uh, within himself when he's reactive, when he's, when he's defensive, when he withdraws. So there's a whole set of work men can do to become more grounded in their life, to settle their nervous system so they can just be a little bit more present for what's going on and more choiceful. And I, I coach a lot of embodiment practices. So this is a lot of breathing, meditation uh, and movement practices, which really help men settle their nervous systems. Um, and then I, I teach them to be, you know, how to be more in touch with their emotions, how to handle their emotions in a way that feels very masculine, not, not kind of new age wimpy, but, but they can handle uh, their emotions in a very masculine way, um, but also a very mm-hmm. healthy way. So those are some of the things that I do to, to help men become more grounded and becoming more grounded and settled in your nervous system is the first step because, you know, if my, you know, if I'm in a relationship and my feminine partner is, she's upset, she's emotional in, in, in a certain moment, you know, the more grounded I am, the more I can be present for what's actually happening, the more I can hold space for her emotions. And that's going to feel good to, to most feminine beings. That's going to feel good when the man is more grounded rather than when he's more reactive. So that's step right. one. And I'll, I'll, there's two more steps, but I'll just pause there um, just for a little space. Yeah, I I really love that. I I I wanted to kind of have you define for our listeners um, the natural masculine core, because mm-hmm. for me, and having been raised with a lot of strong men in my life, uh, it it is to. And you and I had a conversation pre-show about like the man being the leader and the man being the protector and the man being like the way society showed a man to be and the woman following that lead. And is that what you would define as the natural masculine core or is there another definition? Well, I want to, I want to tweak our terminology a little bit. Um, and cause the way you said a man being the leader, you know, use the word the, and I want to just, I, I want to, tweak that a little bit because it's not the leader, you know, today's society, we all know this, gotcha. everybody knows this, you know, you know there's that, more, yeah. there's, there's, yeah, there's more equality as there should be. And, um, both genders are very competent. So it's not the leader. It is, I, I'm coaching men to offer their leadership in, in situational leadership, you know? And so it, we, we offer the leadership. You choose whether to follow it. So it's not like I'm the leader and do what I say. It is I will offer my, my strong leadership, and you can choose to follow it. And if I'm competent, if I'm doing it and doing it well, you might be compelled to do that. 
Um, so I, I do want to tweak that because I, I find it to be a little bit more inclusive uh, and k- keeps our focus off any sort of controversy about it and more on what we're trying to um, to accomplish here. But so getting to your other question, my, my definition of a masculine core is, is, is the blueprint. So number one, respond versus react. And that's the groundedness that we talked about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the quality of stillness in that man. And he's, he's very present and he's not reactive. So that's number one. Number two is in, in the book, it's called provide structure. So this is a man that he has clarity with what he wants, what he likes, what his boundaries are, what he thinks uh, the couple should do. So he has a lot of clarity and decisiveness, and he brings that to the relationship. He doesn't bring it in a, in a domineering way of, of telling everybody what to do, but he has a clear view of, of what the path forward could be, and he offers that up. And the, the sentence then that I often teach men is, um, you know, baby, this is, this is what I think we should do. How does that work for you? Or does that work for you? So there's, I teach men to, to really bring their own clarity, bring their own opinions and viewpoint of what the direction in any given moment should be. But then you check in and say, does that work for you? So it's not about telling people what to do, but it's having, it's having a viewpoint, having a direction, and then seeing if that works for, for other people, in particular, you know, their woman. And so the, the net effect here is that um, if a man could either offer his direction or help simplify decisions in the relationship that, where the woman can then participate, but the man has sort of simplified the set of choices, um, the feminine partner can make that choice. To just, she can just relax back into his league because she knows she's, he's got it handled. Now, she can also call bullshit and say, no, I don't think that's a good idea or I don't agree. <laughs> And and she should, and the man the man should be able to handle that. But if he's if he's competently leading, then she's naturally uh, has the opportunity to make that choice to relax into his lead. And when the when the and this is where I make sort of a more of a bold statement. But when the feminine can can relax, that's when you get that masculine feminine polarity, which really helps bring the juice back in the relationship. I hope that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. I'm just sitting here like there's so many things that I have. But the one question that, you know, we I had wanted to talk about, and that's a good, this is kind of a good place, is how does the relationship become toxic? Because you say, oh, you're the girl that I, you know, here's that woman that I had and the one I fell in love with, and, and it's all, you know, dopamine and awesome greatness in the beginning and then all these things, you know, life things bring the relationship, having babies and bills and job loss and all these really, you know, hard things that we as humans go through. Uh, So how do you think in the relationship it becomes toxic and do you think after the toxicity has happened, there's hope to repair that? Because having been in a toxic relationship, I, yeah. I my answer is no. I'm curious from a man's point of view, how did it become toxic when you were in love, and then how do you can it can it work after toxicity? Is there enough? Can you do enough work to make that work again? Yeah, I, I'll I'll answer the questions in reverse order. You know, I'm a I'm a believer. I'm an optimist. Um, I believe that Same. these these relationships can be repaired if. You know, if polarity is or lack of polarity is the issue, um, I've got a client who, you know, his wife basically said, "Look, I, I'm either going to divorce you or take other lovers." 
because their sex life was so uh, abysmal. And that was, that was a real problem, even though they loved each other, that it was, um, it had gotten pretty dark. I have other clients who their wife is like, I'm just hanging on for the kids. And that's, that's why. Yeah. And, and, but when we started to dig into the dynamic, we could see, we started to pull out all the ways that, that there were, were rips in the relationship and the fabric between them created, um, through, uh, not the man, not being in his masculine core, having no direction, uh, not keeping his word to her, um, not making space for her emotions and really validating those emotions, you know, just like instance after it's instance after instance of little hurts being created. And yeah. so that's, yeah. that, that's, you know, so I'm a believer that you can actually fix those things. Now the question is how do you know, how do you get there from, you know, what seems to start out as a wonderful relationship? So, you know, again, we can look to the blueprint. Um, you know, a man that consistently throughout a relationship gets defensive when his woman criticizes him or expresses displeasure at something or is saying, ouch, you know, in some way, if he consistently mm-hmm. gets defensive over time, she's going to really start to shut down. She's going to start to feel lonely in the relationship, which is pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And she's going to, she's absolutely going to start to feel resentment at some point. So, if a man's not fulfilling that uh, that first element of the blueprint, which is to be more grounded, more settled, more present for what's actually happening, then that's going to start to really uh, destroy the relationship over time. Number two, if he's just, he kind of goes with, this is what a lot of modern men have done. They become nice guys and they kind of like, yeah, whatever you want to do, honey. They start to defer, right. they start to, defer to the women in their life you know, over and over and over, she's not feeling his, his leadership. She's not feeling his power. She doesn't even know where the hell he stands because he seems to have no opinion on anything. He's just like, whatever you want, honey. She just starts to get uninspired over time in a really fundamental way. And, you know, a woman that's uninspired by their man who doesn't feel any compunction to follow his lead because he has no lead, um, that's corrosive. That's really corrosive. And then the, the third part of the blue. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, what does that do for the man when he's always saying whatever you want, honey? Like, what is, how does that affect him? He, he makes uh, little jokes about, ah, ha, ha, happy wife, happy life, you know, and he kind of makes light yeah. of it. And, and, and underneath, he feels like he doesn't feel like a man. He feels right. like Thank you. He's, he's powerless. And... But he, but he wants to hide it because he doesn't want the world to know he feels powerless. So he makes these jokes of like, oh, I got to ask the boss or happy wife, happy life. Underneath, he doesn't feel like a man and he hates himself in some way, at least. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, if you have that self-loathing inside, even in a little way, you know, it, you take it out on other people, unfortunately. So it, it, it leaks out in really unhealthy ways. So that's what it does to a man. Thank you. I wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll just, I'll finish the rest of the, of answering the question very quickly here of, you know, how does this, how do we get here? Um, the third element of the blueprint is create safety. So physical, financial, and emotional safety. So if a man is not, if he's not, if he's not capable of creating physical safety for his woman, she's not going to feel safe around him. So that's not just like protecting her from a mugger, which is sort of the obvious thing you might think of, but it's also like, did he 
fix the fix the fire alarms in the house or put the fire extinguishers in the house? Did he put a backup key in her car? Um, does he, you know, when she's traveling, does he check in with her, you know, to make sure she got there safely? Like all these things that can make a woman feel physically safe are very important. And, you know, mm-hmm. physical safety is important because men don't realize that how unsafe women can feel in the world how vulnerable physically they feel to predatory men or just whatever Correct. sense of, uh, of danger in the world. I had so many women say that to me that they, they're a little bit on edge, you know, even on a, just a continual basis. And I think men don't realize that tending to his woman's physical safety can really create a lot of feelings of trust and relaxation in, in her. Um, and then emotional safety, that. you know, he's got, he, he's got to be able to make space for her, uh, for her emotions, he's got to be able to follow through and do all the things that have her feel emotionally safe. So if a man's not doing that over 10 years of a relationship, she's just going to become dead to him if he's not creating that emotional mm-hmm. safety in her. So, you know, that is a long answer, but that's how you get there. Yeah. Yeah. So from, you know, yeah. from marital bliss to toxicity. And I still think you can turn this around in most cases if the man really steps up. Yeah, I, I suppose that depends on the, how far the toxicity went. I get that. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's really funny because what came up for me was with the way that men and women are today, like you said, women being more extra cautious, um, feeling more, pred- you know, men sliding into the DMs all the time, and you, they're like, where are you even from with fake accounts? And so you really can't trust there's a level out there uh, if you're single, like what can you trust and what can't you? And then on the other hand, men having to be super cautious about how they're coming on to a woman in today's world. So they don't be perceived as predatory or too much. And I was thinking about like in the old days, my mom always taught me, Oh, you never call a guy, you know, you just sit there and wait by the Mm -hmm. phone and they'll call you, (laughs) you know, that. And, and, and as a result, this has resulted in a lot of women uh, that I've talked to who've either been ghosted or they don't get a response for four days, and then they feel this ultimate, you know, rejection. Because this is about mm-hmm. relationships and how to be in relationships, but there's a lot of people who are just starting new relationships, and how do we bring that? So I was just wondering, you know, why do you think people I, – I, I know it's called ghosting, but for me it's avoidance. And so we're avoiding either telling somebody the truth I don't know where I'm going with this, but it just was an interesting thing for me to see how society has changed so much, uh, the way we treat each other, you know, in today's world. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's so true. You know, it, you, this ghosting, you already pointed out, it's, we're, we're afraid to be real with people and say, you yeah. know, like, hey, you know, thanks for getting together with me. I wasn't feeling the connection. Um, you're a great right. person, but I, I just wasn't feeling the connection. That's hard. So that... The, the reason that happens is the same thing, uh, something uh, that is a core part of the book, which is um, what I talk about is, you know, I say that all the non-masculine behaviors that most men exhibit all come down to a feeling of anxiety within them. And there's, a, there's a, this feeling of anxiety that we want to stop within us because if we're, we feel like if we're real in the world, we'll, we'll be rejected or scorned or lose love or inclusion if we're just real with people. And so, you know, half my work is working with men just to speak their truth in relationship with their woman. And they don't want to do that because they're scared of the result. They're scared the other person will get upset uh, when they hear the truth. 
And when they start to get scared of that, then they feel the anxiety and they'll do anything to make that stop, including ghosting, including, say, just making up bullshit to their partner and, and not telling the truth, um, including hiding the facts and things like that. So um, it really comes down to, for, for men, now I'm just kind of shifting it back to my focus. I know, but I'm um, thinking women too. <laughs> Women too, but I, I, you know, I choose to talk to men and I choose to tell men to take yeah. full responsibility for, for this, um, is, is speaking their truth. And I think this is, you know, it is something that everybody in society could, could learn. Because, you know, honestly, and, and look, I don't always do this. I'm, I'm as guilty as some people, but the most loving thing you can do to somebody is tell them the truth. Really. Oh, amen. Yeah. Be <laughs> clappy. Yeah, I, no, I... You know, I lived in a dishonest relationship. Um, one, the person was dishonest, but two, I was dishonest with myself. And so there was, mm-hmm. like, so much responsibility. And I often think, wow, what if I had just owned the truth of what was for me? Would I have avoided so much, you know, garbage? And so I, I agree with that 100%. Like, the most loving thing you can do is tell someone the truth in the moment when you're, you know, hit with that truth, like, just tell, and I see young girls, you know, like I'm old enough to like rejection isn't so hard for me anymore. But I see some mm-hmm. young girls who are experiencing the ghosting and the why hasn't he called me in three days and he didn't even respond to my text, but he liked my pictures. And, you know, like going through this anxiety at the age of 24 and I'm just like, oh, God, like I don't want that for women and men. And I want them to grow into this really strong place together. And we have an opportunity with books like yours and shows like this to really teach men and women how to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I have a question on, sorry, Carrie, I know you probably have one more. I'm just, I'm going to steal one more question. Um, okay. Uh, no, you, you, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I am an author, so I was thinking about you writing your book and, uh, you know, what what causes a person to write a book is that it's something inside of you. I'm sure you'll probably agree. But when you were writing your book, you refer to the fact that you had it. So you, first of all, one question. Why did you write the book? I wrote the book to help men not make the same mistakes that I made, to uh, benefit from all the learnings that I had, both in real relationship and all the men's work I've done in, in training with, with luminaries in the field. I really wanted people to have the, have the help that I didn't have, uh, you know, earlier in my life. Yeah, that would be yeah. my answer. Actually, I love that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say one more thing. And, you know, I just see so many relationships that don't have to end. They, they do end, but they don't have to end. And I see so many families that break up that don't have to. And I see so many kids in split homes that don't have to. And when I say don't have to, it's like, it's amazing if the men do this work and the women have to do their work too, but I, I'm not, I'm not concerned with that right now. I'm, I'm concerned with the men. If the men do their work, if they can bring something different to the relationship, which they can, then those couples can stay together. Those families can stay together. Those kids can have their, you know, their parents together. And, and uh, I, I remember the day I had to tell my kids I was getting divorced and it was horrible. And I never want another man to have to do that. Mm, yeah. But do you think couples should stay together for the kids? Absolutely not. I think they should stay together because they, they start to bring something new to the relationship and they fall in love again. That's what I mean. Got it. Yeah. No, I was curious. No, not, not everybody so anyway, can. Some, 
some people are better off apart, but you know, you want to save the ones that can use. And so on, on that note of the questions I was going to ask you about writing the book is that I was, you know, I, I noticed that you had a girlfriend in the book, you know, you're like a new girlfriend. And I was, you know, wondering when you were writing the book in a new relationship, how did that spill over and, you know, not to get too personal, but I think when you're writing a book, you have to live what's true for you when you're writing it. And, yeah. and that's how I wrote my book. And so I thought, wow, what an interesting dynamic to be writing a relationship book and being in a relationship after leaving a relationship. And so I was just wondering how that experience played for you, for the writing, for just from the author's standpoint and living and writing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was with a woman for seven years during most of the writing of the book. And um, that's why the book is so personal mm-hmm. because nearly everything in the book is either something I've worked with clients on or it comes out of my own life. Um, right. But okay. all the all the principles have been things that I've worked with in that relationship that I was in for seven years. Um, so it's very personal to me. You know, I'm not yeah. writing about things that I learned from somebody else that I haven't filtered through my own life. Um, so every, every everything in there is, is uh, you know, I could tell you stories about almost every principle in the book. I could I could relate something, <laughs> you know, about every anecdote in the book yeah. that's similar to my life. Um, so it was great. It was, you know, the, the woman that I was in relationship with was she had a very strong feminine and strong masculine. So she was a strong woman and had a, just this amazing feminine side to her. So it was, it was daily practice to see what worked and what didn't to create more connection, create more openness, create more radiance in her. Um, so it's definitely, (laughs) it's definitely got my practice in that's for sure. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I just, from an author standpoint, I know for me that there's been times when I'm like, wow, Kathy, you better go back and read your book because you are acting so out of alignment with that, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, because we know these things as we're writing them and we can see them and we can share them with the world in, from a standpoint of please don't go through what I went through, but still living it in your yeah. day-to-day life is really still, even for the person who wrote those words, sometimes a big challenge. So I just wanted to it, kind of bring that up. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, self-confessional here, like some of my greatest learnings came from uh, not, not embodying a practice, you know, at first um, and doing it the wrong way and knowing what I, what, you know, like what the principle should be and how I should be and not being able to because of the, just being totally triggered. And so, you know, I learned from my failures as much as my successes in that relationship, for sure. Yeah. As we all do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, I I just, I just want to say that I feel like what's really important is like for the man, like they, they, at the beginning, like they have to want this. You know, like they have to want yeah. this because yep. it's work. Because I'm, you know, like for women, it's work in a relationship, and it's the same for men. So it's like you just you have to want it. And and the other thing is is what I what was what just kept coming up for me was um, when you were talking is you know it's never about what it's about. So it I think it's an important um, like it's important to realize that it's not. Like, I'm not reacting to somebody because of them. I'm reacting to somebody because of me, you know? And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And it's true. So, I, 
that's a well, really good, that's just a good lesson as well to remember. Yeah, I think, I, I think men criticize women because it's like you guys remember something I did 10 years ago and now you're mad at me for it. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> and what the, the, the thing that I found with women though is, is, you know, like it or not, sometimes, you know, in the moment, a woman's emotions can be the product of not only the moment, but yes, the, the, a pattern over time with me and all the men that have ever hurt her, including potentially her, her father or, or a brother, you know, who emotionally hurt her. I mean, hopefully not physically, but, but also physically, maybe. Um, and, I, you know, one of the things I teach men is, you know, stop, stop running from that, that reality that her emotional state could be the product of all those men. Can you be the man that's big enough to stand up and heal all of that, even the hurts from somebody else? And I can say in my last relationship, I I didn't do that well enough. I know that she projected her father and brother on me. She never would own it. And I I was resentful of that. And I think looking back on that relationship, I realized I could have been, big enough of a man to take all of that. And I could have, and um, I've learned from that, but that's what I'm coaching men is, you know, you're going to get projected on and can you be the man that heals that? Cause if you do that, if you are that man, you have her lust, trust and devotion for a long time. I guarantee it. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? And you know, ladies? It makes sense to me. Cause as you're saying that I'm thinking to myself, what the, what if a relationship was that reciprocal where the woman can also take on the man's hurts, triggers, you know, um, past pain, and he takes on yours, and you guys can fuel that together? Because it is about two people now. Yes, the, but each mm-hmm. one has to individually do their work. But while you were speaking, I'm thinking, I've always been that way. I've always wanted to help somebody with their hurt. You know, I'm, I'm an empath, so I constantly am pulling mm-hmm. pain mm-hmm. out of people and taking it on myself. <laughs> I'm working on that. Yeah. But but at the same time, uh, I've always stayed a little bit closed off to sharing my pain and never really probably felt safe or secure enough to do that. So I just had an interesting light bulb moment when you were talking about that. So I, I definitely agree. I definitely do. Yeah, and I Sweet. love what you just said because this, this is a perfect example. You know, and I, I don't know what your, your relationship situation is, so let's just talk about it generically. Um, like you're an empath, <laughs> you you're able to, you're able, <laughs> you're able to do that for the man in your life, which is such a wonderful gift. And it, it's going to take the right man to walk in and make you feel safe enough to, to maybe right. open in a way that you give that gift. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Like men, you know, bring your best selves and you will find like the woman opens for you in, in ways that you never imagined could be so wonderful. Um, and it's all, you know, I try I'm to tell them. I'm such a lover at heart. I swear. I'm such a hopeless romantic. I'm like, oh, it exists. No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And just, you, you need the right person in your life to make you feel safe enough to, to fully blossom into your, into your fullness. I don't know. I'm, of course, I'm projecting on you right now, but it's kind of a generic <laughs> thing I'm making. <laughs> I love it. Okay. One last question, and then we're going to probably have to close because we're getting there. But. I wanted to just get your opinion because you're, I look at you as like a little relationship expert possibly in your field, and that is the COVID mm-hmm. relationship. You have seen the, 
this this dynamic of a lot of celebrities who you who you know had the persona of the perfect marriage now they're getting divorced of course theirs has to be public but there's a lot of inner people who've been dealing with this now we're together now what you know and mm-hmm. and what did you mm-hmm. find with the people you're working with through the covid uh time period here that we've had to deal with closer with our spouses closer with our relationships yeah. um, having to look at this stuff like head on just your experience. It makes everything everything tougher, you know, that the tide goes down and the rocks underneath get revealed. And uh, it's easier to run up on those rocks. You know, we just, you know, we all know this. We have so many things that we do to avoid just true intimacy, even the pain and intensity of true intimacy. And um, again, for men, I always talk about men, you know, intimacy is like it's it creates a lot of anxiety inside of us you know it's this energy that kind of wells up and we've got to you know we've got to make it stop because it doesn't feel good we're not acclimated to it and so i'm this is the embody you know this starts with the embodiment practices i'm teaching to men you know to become more settled so that in the fire of intimacy when you're locked together for weeks on end because of covid you know, you can handle it better. And it could be a lot of like speaking your truth, you know, like you've been with your wife for three weeks straight and she's driving you nuts for you to speak the truth of like, baby, you know, when you do this, I just, I I feel kind of nutso inside and I really don't like it. (laughs) And and I want to talk about it and to be able to say that with love, and not I avoid, love how you start um, with baby, baby, <laughs> baby. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, but that's good. That's like that's a good. That's a good starting point. I just, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending your morning with us and taking the time to help other men. I, I think that I. I uh, hope that we've, you know, reached a lot of, I have a lot of male friends on, on my social medias and so does Carrie. So I'm hoping that we can reach some men. And again, I just want to tell you guys, you can find his book, The Masculine in Relationship, A Blueprint for Inspiring Trust, Lust, and Devotion of a Strong Woman on Amazon. And he's on Facebook and Instagram, GS Youngblood one or Instagram, GS Youngblood M-I-R, which is men in relationships. And I think you should look him up and reach out. He's a coach. Do you have a website? Yes, gsyoungblood.com. You can find all kinds of videos and uh, other things on there. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Carrie, any burning desires? Just to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, It gives me hope. (laughs) Yeah, it's very enlightening and it gives me hope, you know, because it's like, wow, like, If somebody could just deliver that to me in a package, that'd be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that, ladies. And I'm going to put out a plea to your listeners. You know, I want to help as many people as possible, as many men, as many women, as many families. And um, so please, you know, share the book with the man in your life. Share the book with, you know, in your communities. Um, I've been getting a tremendous response so far, and I I think people are really gravitating towards it. So, uh, you know, everybody out there, please help me get the word out because uh, we can help a lot of people. We will definitely Yay. do that. And so I always, I always close the show with a quote. And this morning when I was looking for one, I found on my Facebook memories a quote from my male therapist that I was working with last year to get through a lot of hard stuff that I was going through. And this is what it says. You can go in pieces or you can go in peace. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right? You pick. Like you can come across this peacefully, 
or you can just let, you know, everything shatter on the floor. But I think that living a peaceful existence, either in relationship, in co-parenting, in divorce, in breakups, in friendships, is a lot easier than always feeling in pieces. So namaste, everybody. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and everybody have a great day. Aloha, everybody. Bye.